Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Spoken Worth. Thank you for watching the Spoken Worth podcast. If you're watching this week's episode, make sure to click like on this video and subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can catch each week's episode that we release on Sundays at 7 o'clock p.m. Or you can follow me anywhere you enjoy your podcasts. That's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere. We're available on every podcast platform. And also, if you didn't know, I'm also a spoken word poet and I make music. I have an upcoming song that's dropping everywhere May 26th, 2023. That's on a Friday. And so the pre-save link is available in the description of this video on my YouTube channel and it's available in my bio on all my social media platforms or you can pre-save it by visiting my website at spokenworth.net. That's spokenworth.net. Again, thank you for watching the Spoken Worth podcast and watching this week's episode. I hope it's something that brings value to your life and I hope it's something that's worth your time. You matter, you're appreciated, and you're loved. Thank you and enjoy this episode. What's up, everybody? I'm really excited for this episode. And so for this episode, we're answering the question, can Christians get tattoos? So let's jump right into it. Um, some of you know who, who know me, I have a lot of tattoos myself. I teach 8th through 12th grade Bible. A lot of my students, although on a daily basis for my, for my dress code at work, I, I cover my tattoos up. A lot of them know I have tattoos. And I get questions a lot of times about my tattoos, about whether or not Tattoos are something that God allows, whether they're, uh, they're sinful or whether or not Christians can get tattoos or any kind of questions that are related to that. Uh, and I've even had a friend recently uh, that reached out to me and said, hey, for your, one of your podcast episodes, you should cover the topic of can Christians have tattoos? And so I really thought it would be a good idea to just take time to make an episode to address this question. And so that's what we're going to do. And, and the first thing that I want to do when addressing this question is I want to point to the common claim that people usually make uh, when, they, when they try to make an argument that Christians shouldn't get tattoos. And, and, and the case that's often made is based out of Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28. And people often point to God's command to Israel in Leviticus 19.28. And so I want to take time to investigate the context of Leviticus 19.28. And ultimately, I want to look at why it isn't a strong argument for why Christians can't have tattoos. So let's jump right into point number one. Let's look at Leviticus 19 verse 28 together. It says this, You shall not make any cuts in your body for the dead, nor make any tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. And the, so that's Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28. And, and this command is given shortly after God delivers Israel out of Egyptian slavery. And he's giving them ceremonial laws to help take what they had adopted in Egypt out of them. And that's why we see a range of different ceremonial laws given before and after this verse. And that's what a lot of people fail to realize 
uh, when they point to this verse as being evidence for why Christians can't get tattoos is that they're pointing to a verse that's a part of Israel's ceremonial laws. And there's plenty of other ceremonial laws that are given before and after verse 28. Laws like no eating meat with blood in it. No trimming your beard or your hair. Don't wear two different kind of fabrics. Not breeding the same uh, breed of cattle. All sorts of things that today we don't ever question if Christians should uh, be bound by these things or if Christians aren't allowed to do some of these things. We don't question uh, every time we go to Outback, if we're allowed to have a steak that's got a little bit of pink in it still, we don't ever question if Christians get a haircut or if Christians trim their beard um, or if Christians are wearing two different type of fabrics, you know, on the top and then down uh, for your pants. These are, these are ceremonial laws that were given to Israel. And we have to understand that these were not laws God gave with the intention of them uh, of them being universal and binding on all Christians today and forever. They these were laws that God gave the nation of Israel in a specific period of time to intentionally set them apart and distinguish them from all other nations and pagan practices and identities. And in verse 29, they're commanded not to cut themselves for the dead or make any print marks on their body. And Egypt and other pagan neighboring nations practice these kinds of things. Many historians point out how pagan nations would cut themselves for the mourning of the dead, and they marked themselves with prints for the mourning of the dead. And then there's other historians who actually will note uh, that there's little evidence for pagan nations printing marks on themselves for the mourning of the dead, but they do point out how there is significant evidence that slave trading nations would mark slaves with prints on their body to symbolize their status as a slave. And so whether or not the evidence shows that it's true that they tattooed themselves for the mourning of the dead, or if they only tattooed slaves, it shows why God would give the command in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 29. And we can conclude that God is giving this command to set Israel apart from the practices and identity of the surrounding pagan nations. He wants them to belong to him and him alone, no one else. And there's an interesting verse in the Old Testament out of Isaiah chapter 44, verse 5, and it says this, and no, no, this is about the people of Israel. This is what it says. This one will say, I am the Lord's. And that one will call on the name of Jacob. And another will write on his hand, belonging to the Lord. And will give himself Israel's name with honor. And that's Isaiah 44, verse 5. And, and a lot of people actually point out how this text indicates that it may not have been entirely or... Um, definitively unlawful for Israel to mark their bodies, but it would have been allowed if the markings indicated that they belonged to God and, and were in submission to God. But ultimately, what we find is that using Leviticus 19.28 for why Christians can't get tattoos is not a very strong argument. It's not a strong argument because it's an argument that under or that misunderstands the nature and purpose of the ceremonial law. It wasn't a command given to everyone throughout history as binding, but rather it was a ceremonial law given to Israel during a specific time in history for the purpose of setting Israel apart and distinct 
from other pagan nation practices and identities. And so really, what we need to do is change the way we ask this question. We need to change the way we ask this question. Instead of asking the question, can Christians get tattoos? We need to ask a different question. And I think that question comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse uh, 23 through verses 33. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23 through 33. This is what it says. This is what Paul says. He's writing to Christians here. Paul is writing to Christians here in this text. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 through 33. All things are permitted, but not all things are, benef- uh, are of benefit. All things are permitted, but not all things build people up. No one is to seek his own advantage, but rather that of his neighbor. Eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking questions for the sake of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. If one of the unbelievers invites you and you want to go, eat anything that is set before you without asking questions for the sake of conscience. But if anyone says to you, this is meat sacrificed to idols, do not eat it for the sake of that one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. Now by conscience, I do not mean your own, but the other person's. For why is my freedom judged by another's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I slandered about that for things that for the glory of God? Do not offend Jews or Greeks or the church of God. Just as I also please everyone in all things, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of many so that they may be saved. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 23 through 33. And Paul here is talking to Christians who were not sure if they could eat or drink certain foods that were sacrificed to idols. And under the old law, they would have been sinning if they ate or drank certain foods or meats sacrificed to idols. And Paul makes a clear argument that in Christ and in the new covenant that we have with Christ, he he makes a clear argument. And this is what the argument is. That one, it's not a question of lawfulness or permissibility. Yes, it's permissible. That's what Paul is saying that in relation to their question of, can we eat and drink certain foods that are sacrificed to idols? Paul is saying it's not a question of permissibility. Yes, it's permissible, but rather it should be a question of if it's it's beneficial, if it's best for building others up. They They are free in Christ to eat any meat that's presented to them, but Paul is reminding them that they're also called by Christ to put others first before themselves. And so the first premise is it's not a question of permissibility or lawfulness, but rather it's a question of, is this best? Is this beneficial? Can I, is this building up? And then secondly, they shouldn't feel guilty either way. We see that in verse 30. We see in verse 30 that they shouldn't feel guilty either way. He says, why uh, is my freedom judged by another's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I slandered about that for which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all things for the glory of God. So he's trying to let them know that it's that they shouldn't feel guilty either way, whether they decide that they can eat this meat or whether they decide they can't eat this meat. But 
what we do see that Paul is also arguing is that whether they decide to practice, uh, whether they decide to, to practice eating certain meat or not eating certain, uh, certain meat, it's up to them individually, but they should make their decision with the aim to glorify God. That's why he says, do all things for the glory of God, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. So whether you decide that this is okay, or whether you decide that this is not, you should make your decision with the aim to glorify God. That's the key. The aim is to glorify God in your decision, in your conviction. And he makes it clear also in this third, uh, this third premise that they should honor and respect their brothers and sisters with whatever conclusion and conviction they have on the issue. That's why he says, hey, if you go to a meal and they put meat on the table and you're cool with eating it and no one else has a problem with it, then you shouldn't feel bad for eating the meat. But if you're okay with eating certain meat and you go to a, a dinner and other people are not okay in their conscience with eating that meat, then then honor that. Then honor that. And I think I think this is very applicable to the issue in question of can Christians get tattoos? Why? Because both is an issue. Both are issues of ceremonial commands. And if it's binding today on those who follow Christ, both are issues of ceremonial commands. And if it's binding on those who follow Christ and what we learn is that we shouldn't ask if it's sinful for Christians to get tattoos, we should ask if it's beneficial and if it's best for building up. So don't ask, am I sinning? If I get a tattoo, ask yourself, is this beneficial and is this for, uh, or can this build others up? Or is this tattoo that I'm getting, is it tearing others down? And then secondly, ask yourself a couple of questions, the right kind of questions. Ask yourself, why am I getting this tattoo? Is it for selfish reasons? Are you wanting to attract other people to yourself? Are you wanting to compensate or make up for an insecurity that maybe you have? Are you wanting to glorify something sinful or immoral? Or are you doing this to rebel against some type of authority figure in your life? So are you doing this for selfish reasons? If you're doing it for selfish reasons, then it's, it's probably something you should reconsider and ask the question, am I doing this to bring God glory? And can the tattoo that I want, can it bring God glory? And I think this framework will help shape our decision and shape our actual tattoo if we decide that we want to get one. And so understand, it's not a question of are tattoos sinful or not. It's rather a question of, of is it beneficial and does it build up and what's my aim and what's my why and can this glorify God? We shouldn't make it a salvational issue and we should respect and honor each other's conviction on the issue. Ultimately, we are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, not if we have tattoos or if we don't have tattoos. And so I really want to focus now in this video about how God's call for Christians is to be set apart and different than the world around us. Notice how I mentioned the purpose of the ceremonial law. The purpose of the ceremonial law was to make Israel distinct and distinguished and set apart from the surrounding nations. And although we're not bound to the same ceremonial laws that Israel was given, we still are called apart. We're called to be different. We're called to be distinct from the world and from the culture around us today. 
We're not set apart through the ceremonial laws given to Israel. We're set apart from the world through our relationship with Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So see how God purposes Christians to be a different kind of nation, a holy nation, a different kind of people, a people for his own possession. And then Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in these passages and many other passages, they point to how followers of Jesus belong to a different nation, and they are called to be set apart from the world around them. And Jesus tells us, Jesus tells us how to be set apart. Jesus tells us how to be different from the world around us. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 11, we see the Beatitudes, and it teaches us how to be completely different from the world and culture around us. It teaches us to be poor in spirit, independent on God. And that's opposite and counter to the world's way of being a boss and a top G and dependent on no one and needing nothing from anyone. The Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, 3 through 11 teaches us to mourn over sin and to take sin seriously. This is opposite of a world and a culture that celebrates sin and embraces it and promotes it. Jesus teaches in the Beatitudes to be meek and controlled and self-disciplined, which is directly counter and opposite to the culture's call to use and exercise our power whenever we are presented the opportunity. If someone wrongs us, we don't practice meekness. We practice vengeance and feel justified in doing so. Jesus in the Beatitudes teaches to hunger and thirst for a right standing relationship with God. While culture in the world teaches us to hunger and thirst for more pleasure entertainment, freedom, power, riches, and other perishable things. Jesus in the Beatitudes teaches us to be merciful, which is directly in opposition to a culture and a world that demands that others get what they deserve when they wrong us. Jesus teaches us to be pure in heart, while the world wants us to be perverted and corrupted in the heart. Jesus teaches us to be peacemakers while the world and culture teaches us to create divisions and, and factions between us and others who don't agree with us. Jesus teaches us to consider it a blessing when we are treated wrong for doing the right thing. But this culture and this world has a paradigm and a worldview that wants us to think that everything in our life has to go our way and be comfortable and be fair and be pleasant. And that it's never a blessing to be wronged for doing the right thing. We live in a world where we are taught it's wrong if we are ever wronged or mistreated. And that we should never rejoice or consider it a blessing. And then in Matthew 5, 13, uh, 13 through 16, Jesus teaches us to be salt and light of the world. Salt in ancient culture preserved things and kept them fresh. Salt in ancient cultures and today is good for enhancing flavoring food. And likewise, Christians are called to be set apart from the world by preserving the goodness of God in the world of evil. 
by enhancing others' lives with good works and love, by flavoring the flavorless world around us with mercy and grace. A lamp in a home provides light and sight to those in the house. It allows us to see and have guidance. And likewise, Christians are to provide truth and guidance to a world full of falsehood and that is lost. If a city on a hilltop is hidden, it would fail to provide the light to any of the homes beneath the hilltop. And likewise, if Christians and if the church hide and fail to be distinct, As lights in the world, the rest of the world will fail to have the light of God in their life or available to them. And so Jesus teaches us how to be different. Jesus teaches us how to be set apart. Jesus shows us that through a relationship with him, that through his way, that through discipleship, we are set apart from the world around us. In Galatians 6, 2 says, bear one another's burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is the law of love. It's the law of liberty. John 13, 34 says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Christians today are not set apart by the tattoos they do or do not have. They are set apart by a personal relationship with Jesus in which leads them to live a life that is different and counter to the culture and world around them. Christians belong to Christ and Christ alone. And so having a tattoo or not having a tattoo isn't how we should try to get people to see we belong to Christ. Don't be a Christian that doesn't have tattoos and thinks that is what makes them a Christian. And don't be a Christian that has Jesus tattoos and thinks that is what makes them Christian. No, no one is more Christian than another if they do or do not have tattoos. And so we need to stop using the ceremonial law as an argument against tattoos. There's no evidence of that there. And using it as evidence is a misunderstanding of the purpose of the ceremonial law. And then secondly, we need to stop considering it a salvational issue because there isn't any scripture to support that claim. Give grace and honor to your fellow brother or sister's conviction on the matter. If you have tattoos, cool. You're not more Christian than the Christians who don't have tattoos. And if you do have tattoos, Cool, you're not more Christian than the Christians who don't have tattoos. So whether you do or whether you don't, it doesn't make you more Christian than the other. It doesn't matter. It's not a salvational issue. And then if you are going to get tattoos, if you're, go- if you're going to get a tattoo as a Christian, ensure you're asking the right questions to yourself. What's your why? Is it your aim to glorify God and can this, can this tattoo glorify God? And strive to be Christians that are set apart from the culture and the world around you. Living like Christ and in a relationship with Christ will make you more Christian than having or not having tattoos. And so hopefully in this video, uh, you were able to hear some scripture, hear some biblical perspective on the question of can Christians have tattoos or not. And maybe it changed your perspective on it. Maybe it allowed you to see it from a new perspective Or maybe your perspective didn't change at all. That's okay. Um, I hope you enjoyed the video. I hope it was worth your time. 
And again, I encourage you to click like on this video and subscribe to my YouTube channel where you can catch each week's episode that we release on Sunday at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. And follow me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We are available on every podcast platform. And remember, I also make music. Pre-save my upcoming song, Burn the Idols, that's produced by legendary producer B-Way. It's available everywhere Friday, May 26th, 2023. That pre-save link is available in the description of this video on YouTube or on any of my bios on social media or available on my website at spokenworth.net. That's spokenworth.net. Thank you for watching this week's video. You matter, you're appreciated, you're loved. Speak worth, speak life, not hate. Blessings.